Hello, everyone, and welcome to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance. My name is Pete Waltz. I'm your host. Well, it's been another difficult week around the world with regard to COVID-19. Some great news from China, where they appear to be stabilizing their situation. But Italy, it's still a growing crisis there, and the rest of Europe and the rest of the world, frankly, are bracing for what's still to come closer to home. Earlier this week, we had the chance to bring together a group of our top lawyers from across Europe, where that virus is now present in 55 countries and territories. And we discussed how the ongoing spread of the virus is changing the workplace and what key legal issues companies need to address during these challenging times. Leading this program is Duncan Inverarity. Duncan is a partner at ANL Goodbody in Ireland. Let's go to Duncan now to introduce our expert panel and pick up on their discussion. Thanks very much, and hello everyone, and thanks for being with us today on what is a very, very topical subject. We are uh, happy to report that there's in excess of 400 people registered to attend the program today, and we look forward to having a great discussion with you. And, and as Steve said, there's been a number of questions submitted in advance, and please feel free to submit your questions as we go along. Now, more importantly than myself, uh, the speakers for today are from across Europe, and they're from Italy. We have Alberto Testi, who's a partner at Grimaldi Studio Legal. From Germany, Dr. Stefan Lochner, partner at Byton Burkhardt. From Spain, we have Lourdes Escati, a senior associate at Gomez Acibo and Pombo. From France, we have Philip Durand, a partner at Auguste de Buzzi. And from the UK, we have Richard Germans, who's a partner at Offshore Goddard. And from Austria, Christopher Pesch, who is a senior attorney at Soha uh, Hempel. So now that we've got our uh, speakers and introduced them, let's get started. I'm going to turn the program over to Alberto Testi from Italy to kick off. Um, Alberto. Thank you and uh, welcome to everybody. I am a partner of Grimaldi Studio Legale, an Italian firm. And as you may know, Italy is uh, facing a great emergency in this uh, period. We are the country with the high, highest number of infected people. And uh, from the half of February, our government has issued a lot of uh, decree, law decree in order to face uh, this situation and to cover several uh, different aspects of our uh, legislation. Uh, for example, and coming from the main uh, provisions that have been uh, issued, <clears throat> and up to the 25th of March, schools and universities are closed, and uh, there is a complete shutdown of shops, uh, restaurants, pubs, and all the unnecessary activities, with the exception of the commercial activities regarding food, pharmacies or refueling services. Um, all the hearings, for example, coming to another kind of activity, hearings uh, are postponed after the 15th of April and all the procedural and processual terms are suspended to the same date. Uh, the government has also issued uh, several provisions in order to support individuals and companies. For example, the payments of social contributions and of mandatory insurance charges, so as the other fiscal payments are postponed up to the end of May. And for commercial activities, 
it has been granted a fiscal credit uh, amounting to the 60% of the rent and also another fiscal credit of the 50% of the expenses incurred by companies to sanitize the premises and the workplaces. But coming to the measures regarding employment, we have a lot of intervention, a lot of decrease that cover uh, many different aspects of the employment relationship in this emergency situation. Uh, the main of which are, for example, the uh, fact the employees are prevented from assessing the workplace unless the kind of working activity cannot be performed by remote. So to this aim, smart working has been generally allowed without the need to have in place any individual agreement with the concerned employee uh, according to the general provision of law. So this is uh, the first change introduced by the government. If smart working is not possible, employers can put employees on uh, holidays or on permits accrued and unused, as well as on several kinds of leaves. For example, employees with children up to 12 years are granted 15 days of permits which are paid at 50% of the normal amount. If employees have children between 12 and 16 years which are at home because of the closure of the schools, they can benefit from an unpaid leave for the same period of shutdown of the schools. Moreover, uh, uh, additional 12 days of uh, paid permits have been provided for the month of March, for the month of March and April for workers who assist disabled people. And the period of the quarantine is considered as a sickness leave. Additional emergency procedure uh, concern the introduction of a special social shock absorber which have been introduced for a period of nine weeks granted on the COVID uh, emergency. And the relevant procedure is simplified with regard to the ordinary one. And moreover, uh, another special shock absorber for nine weeks is granted to all companies with more than five employees, even if they cannot benefit from the normal, let's say, provisions of the law regarding this kind of tools. And starting from today and for the period of uh, 60 days, employers cannot start collective dismissal procedures and they are also prevented from serving individual dismissals grounded on economic reasons. Therefore, for this two-month period, employer, employers are allowed only to dismiss for cause, if uh, the case may be. And uh, collective dismissal procedures that are pending as of the 23rd of February are also suspended from the same uh, period. Uh, moreover, uh, if the um, working activity uh, implies the fact that employees has to access to the 
premises, to the offices or, or to the workplace, then the government has promoted the signature of a protocol between the employers' associations and the trade unions aimed to contrast the diffusion of the coronavirus in the workplaces. Uh, this document states that the employees' consent is not necessary in order to uh, check the personal temperature of the employees before allowing them to assess the workplace. Uh, therefore, in this kind of uh, companies, the employees are prevented from assessing the workplace if they, knew they do not accept to be subject to the temperature screening without, again, I repeat, giving their consent. Anyway, in order to safeguard the privacy, this protocol suggests not to record the temperature screenings unless the record is necessary to collect evidence on the reasons that prevented the employee access, to give the employee the information notice on data processing, and to establish safety and organizational measures to protect the data that have been recorded. At this regard, for example, the data can be maintained and recorded only for the duration of the emergency period linked to the uh, coronavirus. Um, I think that for the moment, these are the main measures that I can discuss with you, but obviously I am available for any additional question that may arise from the audience. Thank you very much, Alberto. And then moving on to Germany, we have uh, Dr. Stefan Lochner. Stefan. Uh, uh, thank you. Good afternoon, everybody from Munich. My name is Stefan Lochner. I'm partner at Biden Burkhardt. And I uh, would like to give you an overview of the current issues we are facing here with the coronavirus situation uh, in Germany. Um, as you might uh, know, we have a lot of questions. It's very revolving here at the moment. And as we have a Rather limited time slot, I would like to start off right away with the first bullet, the effects of the COVID-19 outbreak on the contractual rights of employers and employees. Um, the general thing I would like to, to tell you is that the employment contract itself remains valid irrespective of the corona issue we have at the moment right here. So we do not have anything like force majeure. The contract is still valid. However, the obligations arising out of uh, that contract are somehow specific at the moment, and there you have to differ between the employer and the employees. Uh, when it comes to the employers, um, you again have to differ. If you do have in your company no actual or at least suspected COVID-19 infections still in Germany, we are of the opinion that you only in quotation mark have to meet the general obligations to obtain staff safety and health. Um, this means that as we have a pandemic situation at the moment that you have to give uh, general information how to prevent infections. You have to provide as far as necessary safety measures such as masks or disinfection gels or something like that. And um, you are obliged to reduce infection risks as far as possible. This in particular means that only absolutely necessary business traveling and personal meetings are allowed. You should allow employees to do home office and also try to implement flex work models to have 
not the entire stuff at the site at one time. If you do have actual or at least suspected COVID-19 infections, whereas suspected COVID-19 infections are also deemed to be the case if an employee returns from a so-called high-risk area, all employees have to be informed about the specific emergency situation. Um, infected employees and colleagues with direct contacts have to be sent at home for at least 14 days according to public authorities' advice. In case of only suspected uh, infections, you should send them home and we also recommend to do so. Um, during that period, employees are entitled to their contractually agreed remuneration. As an employer, you are furthermore um, obliged to question affected employees about contact persons to find out whether additional measures are required. And according to a provision in our Infection Protection Act, you also have to inform the public authorities about that issue to enable them to take further steps to prevent a widespread of, of these infections. On the other hand, <clears throat> um, when it comes to employees, they do not have a general right to refuse their performance only because they are afraid of being affected. So they have to come to work, they have to do business trips as far as necessary. However, um, they have special disclosure obligations. If they get infected, they do not only have to inform the employer that they are ill, but they also have to disclose that it's a COVID-19 infection to enable the employer to yeah, bring out the relevant actions uh, required by law. And even if you are not affected, you must inform your em employer without asking um, to disclose that you are were in a high-risk area, for example, for holidays or if you had contact with in infected persons. And you also have to agree that uh, you are put on garden leave if you are uh, an infected person or if there are any suspects. Um, that's what is most relevant about the employment situation. If a public authority should order quarantine for individual employees, and I think uh, that's similar to Italy, <clears throat> you have to continuously pay remuneration for six weeks, but you can apply with public authorities to get reimbursed if uh, quarantine should take longer than seven weeks. Um, you do not have to pay any longer the contractual re uh, contractually agreed remuneration but the employee can directly apply for that at the public health authorities. This leads me over to a summary of risk management and preparatory measures for employers we recommend here in Germany. We recommend to implement special routines to be able to evaluate risk. You should have routines asking employees returning from vacation where they had been to find out whether there are high risk issues you might face. You should also ask if there are actual or suspected COVID-19 infections in their families or amongst their friends. If COVID-19 infections could be possible, you should send people home for at least 14 days. Um, you should update your pandemic plans with substitution rules, communication plans, supply chain alternatives. You should update your IT infrastructure, as mentioned before, minimize risk factors such as business traveling, personal meetings, allow home office, things like that. What is very helpful uh, is to install corona task forces. And if you should uh, suffer financially from the situation we are currently facing here in Germany, you should also evaluate the possibilities to apply for short work compensation by the government.
before coming to an end, some uh, yeah, some words with regard to planned legislative changes and legislative changes already implemented. Um, to avoid f uh, further widespread of the infection, our German laws have been changed that you can um, ask your doctor to get certificates of a incapacity of work without personally attending the doctor, but you can just phone him, uh, explain what your symptoms are, and then the certificate is directly sent to the employer without any need to go to the doctor's office. With effect, uh, retroactively, as of March 1st, 2020, um, the thresholds for applying for short work have significantly lowered to enable more companies to more easily uh, get these compensations. We have a protective shield here in Germany for companies with financial problems due to the uh, corona outbreak, and currently our Bundestag, our parliament, is um, discussing about special parental benefits for parents who have to stay at home due to the closures of kindergartens and schools here in Germany, and therefore people cannot go to work. Um, the requirements for filing bankruptcy are uh, eased, and you're also possible to request tax deferrals to avoid further financial difficulties. Well, that was only a very short overview over all the issues we are facing here, but I'm also happy to answer any questions in the chat. Thank you. Stefan, thank you very much. Moving on to Spain then, we have Lourdes Escassi, uh, who will tell us what's happening in Spain. Lourdes. Thank you, Duncan, and hello to you all. I'm speaking from Madrid, and I am very thankful for having the opportunity to, partici to participate. And let me start by saying that the current situation in Spain is that the government have, has already declared a state, a state of emergency. It implies that all educational activity has been suspended and all commercial activity as well. Only food shops and pharmacies are open. People are ordered to stay at home except if they are obliged to attend work or need to buy food or medicines. With these scenarios, let me start by commenting the employment measures to treat the absence of parents due to the closing of schools or kindergarten. Employees are requesting to work from home or to adapt their working time, and with this situation, what options do companies and employees have to cope with this? Well, the first one is to agree on a limited period of teleworking or to agree vacations. Let me highlight that in Spain, teleworking and vacations options must be expressly agreed between the parties. In cases where teleworking or vacations are not an option and the employee is not able to work, a permit without salary can be given to the employee. In order to alleviate the employee situation, the government has announced that it will approve a benefit for all parents who, who cannot attend their job positions due to childcare. However, this benefit has not been approved yet. Re regarding the obligation for the employer to accept uh, employees' requests regarding home working and working time flexibility. Well, as a consequence, consequence of the coronavirus crisis, the Spanish government has passed a law including certain employment measures to be applied by companies. Among others, these measures include the company's obligation to facilitate teleworking when possible, and also those necessary to help work-life balance. Concerning teleworking, the law obliges companies to accept teleworking petition 
only when the company is able to provide the employees with the adequate IT means and when the nature of the activity allows companies to do so. But what happens in cases where the above mentioned conditions are met and still the company does not want to accept the employee's petition? Well, from a theoretical point of view, the employee could file a judicial claim asking for the company to recognize his right of teleworking. And in that claim, the employee could also ask for a damages compensation. However, the practical effect of that claim is almost null since, the, since this judicial claim will be solved uh, once the coronavirus situation has, fi has finished and the damages claim will be highly, highly difficult for being accepted because it will be also difficult for the employee to prove the, damage, the damages except if he has, uh, well, he has been infected, for example. On the other hand, concerning working time flexibility, the situation is different since the Spanish employment law already foresees the, that employees are entitled to enjoy an adaptation of their working time in order to take care of their families' responsibilities. And, well, which is the legal of classification of the quarantine period here in Spain, professional or common illness? Well, note that, note that in Spain, in the case of a sick leave derived from a working accident, the benefit the employee will receive from the social security is higher than that the employee will receive if it were for a common illness. Having said this, the social security authorities have concluded that a preventive obligatory isolation and sick leave due to coronavirus is considered a temporary sick leave due to a working accident for the effects of obtaining the benefit. And can COVID-19 be considered force majeure in order to justify a temporary suspension of employment contracts? Well, the employment legislation allows companies to paralyze and suspend employment contract, contracts totally or partially at its own discretion based on objective reasons or due to force measure. Given the coronavirus situation, the Ministry of, uh, of Employment has clarified that it will be understood as a suspension based on objective reasons when the situation is caused by a lack of elements necessary to carry out the activity or by a decrease in the demand for the company's products, for example. However, it will be understood as a suspension of force measure <coughs> when the stop of the activity is, is directly caused by a decision from a health authority. In particular, when the company's activity is that related to the activity expressly prohibited by the company, such as commercial activity, activities, or when most of the workforce has been put in quarantine due to a health authority's decision. The process legally, legally foreseen for the suspension of employment contracts due to objective reasons substantially differs from that foreseen for a suspension caused by force measure. In any case, the government, the government yesterday announced certain modification on these two processes for the suspension of employment contracts in order to make them faster. Specifically, the suspension process due to objective reasons implies the involvement of, of the employment authorities and the company's obligation of negotiating with the employee's representative. In practice, this process is complex and could take more than one month to finish. 
However, in the suspension process due to first measure, only an authorization from the competent employment authorities will be necessary, and this authorization should be issued within a five-day term as from the request. Likewise, in the suspension process due to force measure, the government has announced that the companies will have relevant discounts on the payment of the social security contribution. And which are the company's options to deal with a workforce, workforce which is mostly in quarantine? When, when most of the company's staff is in voluntary quarantine, understood to be decided by the employee or employer as a preventive measure, but not by a health authority, well, the measures to be taken depend on whether the company can or not continue its activity. If the company can continue its activity, a recommendation would be to reach agreements to work from home or take this period as vacations, if the employees agrees, or unpaid leave, as the case may be. If the company cannot continue its activity, the only viable solution will be to suspend the activity and employment contracts of all the staff. Our criterion is that in this case, we will be facing a suspension due to force measure. Well, thank you all, and I am at your enter disposition if you need any additional information from me through the Q&A box. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lourdes. I'm moving on to France. We have Philippe Durant. Philippe. Yeah, Duncan, th thank you for uh, your introduction. And uh, as far as France is concerned, and like my other colleagues, I have to say that this is a special time we are going through because from a legal point of view, we are coping with very new legal issues that we had never thought of. So it's also a source of forced creativity from a, a legal point of view. Uh, I would like to rely to a certain extent to Alberto's uh, presentation because the shutdown in France is very similar at the moment. I would like to focus on that for a few seconds. Since 16 March, that is to say since last Monday, all schools, universities, uh, primary schools are closed in France as well as any other retail store except for, of course, drug stores, uh, food stores, uh, banks might still be open. All the people should be self-isolated and stay home. That's the general rule. There are a few exceptions to that, and as long as you've got the proper paper with you, you may walk around your home, go to visit elderly people who are uh, really sick, um, and also uh, you should definitely be able to go to work if you can and if you have to. Home office is really the um, general rule and should be encouraged. In other words, that's the preference that the government has stressed. When home office cannot be uh, followed or put in place, um, the employees may go to work, and I will get back to that in a few minutes, because, of course, certain uh, safety rules have to be uh, followed in the workplace. So uh, just a few words about home, home office. The solution for France is easy, because the employment code did provide that people could stay home in case of an outbreak like this one. So home office is automatic. No consent is required from the employee. Safety at work, as I was just saying a few seconds ago, uh, if employees have to go to the office 
or to work like before, they must have a piece of paper with them, an authorization from the employer confirming that they have to go to work and they are therefore allowed to leave home. On the working place, of course, as this was explained, for example, for Italy, safety rules are to be followed. Contact with uh, uh, less, uh, one, less than one meter must be avoided. Uh, and of course, working, different working arrangements uh, have, could be put in place to avoid people coming in a massive number uh, at work. A few words about what we call in French uh, droit d'alerte, that is the employee's right to step out of the their normal working position. This right has been in place for a long time in France, and the question, of course, has arisen as to whether or not people could argue and try to exercise this right. The government has said that to the extent that the employer has followed all the safety rules and measures uh, that have been uh, given by the government for about 10 days now, that right could not be reasonably exercised by employees. So employees who are asked to come to work uh, because, for example, home office is not possible, should come to work. Unless, of course, they are sick and affected by the vi virus or they've been, they are, they've been traveling or been in contact with people who were infected uh, themselves. Beyond that, I would like to say a few words about the employment contract status because, of course, this is a critical point. The uh, general rule is that employment contracts are maintained. We don't, unlike in the Italy, we don't have yet a kind of general prohibition against dismissal. This may come up within the next few days. I may talk about that a bit later. But at the moment, we have no prohibition in France uh, to dismiss uh, people. Having said that, and since employment contracts must be maintained, there are still cases, of course, where the employment contract will be suspended. Of course, the first uh, case is easy to think about, that sick leave, when the employee is sick himself or herself or was in contact with someone, specific procedures have been put in place uh, for a sick leave people, uh, period, so we are of a minimum of 14 days. Uh, similarly, if you have a child, if you're an employee, you have a child who needs to be taken care of at home, uh, uh, and uh, even though you could not work from home, you might also be put on sick leave indirectly. That's a specific procedure that has been put in place as well. We've got another case of uh, suspension of the employment contract, which is uh, very important. That's what we would call partial activity. That is a special uh, mechanism that has been put in place by the French government. Uh, I should say actually that it's been reinforced and extended because that mechanism existed already. For companies, for example, who would have been victim of force measures events like a big snowstorm that would destroy totally your plant, for example. The government has accepted to say that, of course, the virus will qualify for this mechanism, and some uh, more flexible period of times have been put in place, and at the end of the day, the, em the employer will receive the equivalent of 70%, 70 70% of the employee's remuneration once the employer has filed online 
its claim to benefit from this mechanism. Sometimes the 17% might have to be increased to a higher amount by the employer. I'm talking about the, rem the employee's remuneration to be maintained, depending on the actual provisions of, uh, uh, of, the, collect of the applicable collective bargaining agreement. Finally, holidays. Holidays cannot really be a proper means to suspend the contract. You cannot force the French employers during this crisis, cannot force employees to take holidays. Uh, those would be, of course, postponed to better days. Now, when you look at this slide, in fact, this slide could be updated almost every two days because we are right in the middle in front of uh, a strong change of legislation because of this emergency. For example, this afternoon, we just heard that the government is going to take decrees, the equivalent of laws, through a special constitutional process to um, address the crisis. And for example, we understood this afternoon that there will be limitations on the employer's right to terminate employment contract. We don't really know exactly what sort of uh, prohibitions or limits will be defined, but certainly uh, there will be, that's something that will need to be followed. Finally, similarly, and through this special, this similar, this similar uh, constitutional process, new forms of automatic tick leaves will be defined as well to protect people who are suffering from uh, existing diseases like respiratory uh, problems or uh, heart problems. My conclusion, and subject, of course, to further questions that might be raised by the audience, is economy. Very briefly, uh, the government is putting a lot of money on the table, 300 billion euros to guarantee loans uh, that companies will not be able to, uh, to satisfy. Nationalization of certain companies is being envisaged, like for uh, airline companies like Air France postponement of tax payments for income tax or social security taxes, etc., etc. This is, of course, a long subject matter, uh, Duncan, so I think I should stop here and we'll, I will probably have the opportunity uh, to tell more uh, to the audience depending on questions that will be raised. Thanks very much, Philippe. Uh, turning then to the UK, we have Richard Germans. Just before I ask Richard to speak, uh, and for the presenters, a general question has come in in relation to uh, immigration procedures and what has been the effect of the coronavirus on immigration procedures. So if I could just put you on notice of, of that question and uh, in the meantime I'll hand you over to Richard. Thanks Duncan. Um, before I go through the bullets on the slide I just thought I'd give a little bit of context for the UK generally and it's thought that um, we're probably two to four weeks behind Italy and Spain on the progression of the virus. Uh, initially the government was resisting strong measures there was talk of trying to allow the virus to spread in a controlled way so that the majority of the population would get it, get immunity, and therefore prevent it from spreading down the line. However, the evidence then showed that this wasn't likely to work, that the virus spreads too quickly, and that our health service wouldn't be able to cope. And I think the turning point was when the government saw the statistics earlier this week that showed or estimated that 250,000 people would die under its old strategy. So therefore there was a, a, a rapid escalation of government policy at the beginning of this week and on, well since Monday, all employees are being encouraged to work from home if they can. 
It's not a, a ban, a legal ban on attending the workplace, but an encouragement to work from home if you can. All people aged 70 or above have been told that they should self-isolate for up to four months. And at the moment, the government's approach is to encourage appropriate behaviour. So we don't have a ban or a closure of bars, restaurants and theatres. But in practice, many of those businesses are closing because people are staying at home. Some businesses have complained that under this voluntary system for good behaviour, uh, there's no direct legal requirement to close. That means that businesses can't rely on their insurance policies for, their, for the loss of income they're suffering. Initially, uh, government financial intervention was limited. Uh, they announced a week ago that the rules on statutory sick pay, which is uh, up to a maximum of only about £100 per week, would be triggered from the first day of absence, whereas normally it would be the fourth day. It was also announced that small employers could recover the cost of statutory sick pay from the government and that it was suspending local property taxes for small businesses in retail, hospitality and restaurants. However, there's been a step change uh, and yesterday the government ramped up its financial measures substantially. It announced a £350 billion support package designed to support business. We don't have all the details, but it's likely to include grants for small businesses, low interest uh, loans for businesses in difficulty, support with paying salaries, uh, increased income support, and there's also talk today of assisting people with paying their rent. So that sets the scene, and I think we can all see it's, it's very fast moving across all countries. Turning to the, the bullets on the slide, um, I mentioned health and safety obligations. Uh, as in most countries, there are uh, as a statutory obligation to provide a safe working environment. If you don't do so, there are criminal and civil penalties that can be applied. And if we boil it down, it, it's about taking reasonable steps to protect the health and safety of employees. As I've said, there's no ban on people working, going to the workplace, but the guidance at the moment is you should work from home if you can. So where employees are going to work, the, the burden is on the employer to try and limit the risks to them. So that would mean, obviously, encourage work, home working where you can, avoid non-essential business travel. It's about having a clean workplace. It's, for example, if you have an employee who has been infected, identifying them quickly, uh, sending them into isolation for a, a period of 14 days away from work, identifying those who've come into contact with them because they will need to go into self-isolation, and then giving a deep clean to the, the office or the part of the office where that person has had contact with. More generally, I think the, the duty to provide a, a safe work, workplace leads into workplace strategy, and employers are adopting a number of measures. Again, these are in the context of the UK government not yet having announced forced closures of workplaces. Uh, so there is no ban, for, as I said, on restaurants being open, for example. More generally, therefore, what employers are doing is they're encouraging work home, sorry, home working where possible, avoid crowd gathering in offices. I mean, conferences, meetings are being cancelled. That They're all being done virtually. Another step has been uh, workforce separation. So if you have got people who have to come into work, you, you try and split them off or split them into two. So you've got some home working, some working in the office and they never meet. I think that's been superseded really. That was something that uh, companies were trying a couple of weeks ago, but now there's this guidance that everyone should try and homework. Uh, that's probably out of date. Uh, another step is if you have got people who have to come into the office, 
changing their working hours, um, maybe having early and late shifts so that they can avoid rush hour on the public transport where there may be concerns of an increased risk of infection. So it is um, fast evolving at the moment, but the, the general onus is on home working where possible. In terms of pay, um, I mentioned that there's some new government legislation on sick pay where employees can claim that from the first day of sickness or indeed if they are self-isolating. Employers are also grappling with company sick pay arrangements where you really need to look at what's in your employment contract, what your policy says, are such payments discretionary or are they contractual and binding? And then you get into difficult questions of when do you have to pay company sick pay um, it, or, or indeed statutory sick pay. But I mean, if the employee is sick, then company sick pay, if you have it, would be triggered. If they're self-isolating, then that's less clear because they're not sick. Um, so you can see there are some difficult issues popping up here, which no one's foreseen before. If the government goes further and forces all employees to stay at home, the general view here is that employees will be entitled to their normal pay. Um, a, a couple of the speakers have referred to force majeure uh, provisions. In order to apply that in the UK, you'd need it as a clause in the employment contract. And that would be very rare. We don't tend to see those sorts of clauses in employment contracts. They tend to be more in commercial contracts. So where do you go from there? Well, one option is to think about layoff without pay. Uh, basically, this is a scenario where you close the workplace, the employee can't work from home, and you send them away with no pay. You can only do that if the contract expressly allows you to do it. If you don't have the right to do it, the staff are entitled to their pay. So a forced layoff without pay is not something most employers are going to unilaterally impose. I think what we, we can look back to the financial crisis of 2008, and actually what you might invite employees to do is to voluntarily agree a reduction in pay. That happened quite a lot in the financial crisis, and uh, in general, employees would rather take a pay cut than face the prospect of compulsory redundancies. And I think really the communications and how you position it with staff and being transparent and open is key to getting those discussions through. Uh, another option is to use other types of leave uh, to cover this period of shutdown. For example, requiring employees to take holidays. Um, you need to watch the procedural steps around that. There is legislation that, that enables employers to require employees to take um, paid holidays at particular times. For example, you're supposed to give twice as much notice as the length of the holiday, but there may be ways of varying that notice requirement. You could also encourage employees to take other types of leave, like parental leave, for example. Again, I think how you communicate with employees is going to be key in getting these measures through. The ultimate aim is uh, to uh, try and avoid compulsory redundancies. Uh, what I would say is that ultimately that is an option open to you. There's currently no government legislation that prevents you from making redundancies. So as I said at the start, it's fast moving. We've got a £350 billion package for businesses. Uh, my advice to businesses at the moment is we need more detail on how that £350 billion is going to be spent because if it is going to be used to support payment of salaries, that may well impact your strategy and you might not need to take the extreme measures of, for example, redundancies. And I think that's probably enough for the UK for now. Thanks very much, Richard. Much appreciated. Uh, and finally, we have the Austrian experience with Christopher. Thank you, Duncan. Uh, greetings from Vienna. Um, I, as my colleagues, also want to start by giving you a brief um, description of how the situation 
in Austria currently is. Um, plenty of shops are closed. Um, that refers to basically any shop, but for example, grocery stores or pharmacies or drug stores. Um, all bars and restaurants and clubs are closed. Um, with regard to any other kind of work, um, there's no real um, regulation saying that you are not allowed to work, but um, first of all, the government um, asks all of the Austrians to work from home if possible. And there's also a new regulation that doesn't really allow us to leave the house um, unless, for example, to go to a grocery store. Um, going to work would also be an exemption, but only um, if it's necessary. So basically the wording is quite um, yeah, vague, and so a lot of employers are still asking their employees to appear, um, but it's not really in line with, with what the government wants us to do. <clears throat> So the majority of employees, I think, wherever possible is working from home. Um, the schools are closed, universities are closed, so also a lot of children are, of course, at home at the moment. Um, for us in Austria and probably for all the colleagues, um, the situation is like this, that the questions that we are asked by our clients changes on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so last week we, we had questions regarding continued remuneration this week uh, we have questions regarding redundancies uh, short-time work and stuff like this um, from a legal point of view uh, the situation is not easy for us because um, of course there are general rules uh, that you can can rely to in the uh, given situation um, but there's no explicit regulation governing something like this um, when we have never seen a scenario like this in Austria so we can just use the general um, guidelines that exist. Um, one of the major things uh, is, of course, the employer's duty to care for employees. Um, that in particular means that the health and safety of all employees must be protected. Um, that does not only mean that, for example, a sick employee um, should be sent home to protect this employee, but also to pr uh, protect the rest of the staff um, from being infected as well. Um, in case an employer does not comply with this duty of loyalty, um, the employees could refuse to come to work and will still be paid, um, or they can even terminate the employment relationship for cause. So we usually recommend our clients to send employees that are sick um, home. Um, on the other hand, and another very important obligation is, of course, the loyalty obligation of the employee. Um, the employee has to do anything in his power or her power um, to prevent damages um, to the employer. Um, basically, there are two major topics where this loyalty obligation is um, momentarily, momentarily relevant. Um, first of all, usually in general, it's not allowed um, to have uh, to, to unilaterally send employees to the home office. But if, uh, like in this case, uh, it's the best approach and uh, recommended by the government, um, I think it's all employees will have to do home office even in case it's not agreed in the contract just due, due to the duty of loyalty. Um, of course, only if possible. Um, then the second uh, approach or second topic in this uh, regard would be um, employees that have time off um, for plus hours worked in the past. Um, could be asked to, to um, consume this uh, time off in year um, instead of uh, not working from home. 
because um, usually this would also have to be agreed, but in, in times like this, I think it's part of the loyalty obligation of an employee to uh, reduce plus hours instead of sitting at home without working. Um, of course, another big topic are the situations in which employees cannot work for various reasons. Um, for example, because they have to take care of children that are uh, at home due to the closure of schools or in case they are sick or in, in case they are in quarantine. Um, basically spoken, in all such cases, the employee would be entitled to continue remuneration, uh, meaning that they will get the full amount of remuneration that they would have received if they worked. Um, of course, there are some, some uh, yeah, the devil is in the detail, <laughs> let's say it like this, and uh, it's, it's not that easy to answer, especially um, as regards uh, taking care of children. It, of course, depends on whether this is really necessary, because, for example, if the child is 14 years or older, then it can be argued that, that this child can, always, uh, can, can stay at home alone. Um, or if there is another parent that, for example, doesn't have to work or is he's, he's doing home office, then this um, parent will have to take care um, instead of someone that needs to go to work. Um, so whenever it can be argued that it's not necessary to stay at home, it is, of course, um, there's no entitlement to continued remuneration. Um, as regards quarantine um, decided by the state, in such cases, um, the employee would still be entitled to the salary, but the, the state will uh, reimburse the employer um, for what they have to, to pay. Um, what we all also witness is uh, something very new in Austria. Um, the legislator acted really, really fast and uh, created new regulations uh, during the weekend. Um, so we have two um, situations now in Austria. Uh, in Austria, um, as mentioned before, the, the bars, restaurants, and, and um, shops are closed now. Um, and of course, there's a question um, whether or not, um, in such cases. Uh, the employer, the employee, will still be entitled to the remuneration. Um, basically spoken, uh, the answer uh, is no. If you really have a look at the law at the moment, because if um, if the shop is closed by a authority decree or a decision by the by the government, um, then um, it's a force majeure case and the employee will not be entitled to the remuneration. However, I have already um, heard today that the government is thinking about a new regulation um, securing the entitlement to continue remuneration for employees in such cases. So I think that this probably will change in the next days. Um, if you decide to shut your company um, uh, without such a um, decision by the government or by authorities, um, then you will, will probably have to pay the remuneration to the employee um, because it is not um, the uh, it's, it's not a decision of the state and therefore it's your own decision and if you don't want the employees that could work um, to work then um, uh, you will have to pay the salary as an employer um, as I already said we have uh, new regulations since the weekend um, Austria reacted really really fast surprisingly fast. Um, they have not only created a new kind of um, additional leave, um, it's now possible to stay at home for three weeks um, 
uh, to take care of the child in case you do not have an entitlement to stay at home for another reason. Um, and the state will uh, reimburse one third of the um, remuneration. Um, the other two thirds, of course, will be paid by the employer. Um, and then there's also something very new um, uh, that's short time work, um, meaning that the working time can be reduced, um, ranging from 10 to 90 percent. Um, the employee will get the according salary um, of the employer and an additional um, payment will be made by uh, the state to the employer which will also be uh, forwarded to the employee so the employee has not that big amount of uh, loss in income um, and the employer does not have to pay that much um, also the social security contributions in such cases will be paid by the state um, short-time work has been introduced on, on Monday and already changed several times since then because uh, at first it wasn't attractive enough that there were still a lot of um, new unemployment registrations. I think we had like 18,000 or so on Monday. Uh, that's why they later decided to um, also compensate for the Social Security contributions and I have already heard that by tomorrow there will be further um, measure, measures taken to make this short-time work more attractive just to avoid having a large amount of unemployed people. So that's enough for the overview right now, but as all my colleagues said, we will have a Q&A session later, and I'm happy to answer additional questions. Thanks very much, Chris. And so moving then on to questions, and as Peter said at the beginning, there's over 130 questions that have come in in advance, and some of them uh, obviously uh, are, there are is a common theme, sorry, coming through a number of the questions. So I've tried to distill the questions um, into various topics, uh, and I propose to direct them to um, each of the presenters as we go along. Some have already been answered by the presenters, but just for completeness, so people are happy that we've had a chance to answer the questions, I'll, uh, I'll answer, ask them again, but um, as far as it gets repetitive, I, I will move on. And if I could ask the presenters just to be fairly snappy, we have so many. So turning to Alberto in, in Italy first, Alberto, the question to you is what legislation has been introduced into Italy to deal with this crisis? Hi, thank you, Duncan. Well, we the recent decrees have introduced really a huge range of uh, intervention regarding almost all the aspects. It's almost impossible to to give you a, let's say a summary, but uh, for sure the main uh, provision regards the funding uh, of the sanitary system, because now we are in a situation with more than 25,000 infected people. We do not have sufficient uh, doctors, nurses in the hospitals, so uh, around four have been, uh, are, will be used to fund the hiring of doctors and nurses in the hospitals and to procure a higher number of, uh, of seats in the, in the hospitals for people with, uh, affected by coronavirus. And uh, apart from that, uh, we have also other uh, money to be spent uh, for the public sector in general in order to support uh, the administrative uh, system in this uh, emergency uh, period. Thanks very much, Alberto. Uh, then moving on to Philippe in France. 
This question says, in case we cannot supply goods from our plant, uh, what are the options in the receiving entity to reduce their working time? Well, Duncan, you said snappy, so I'll try to be, I'll try to be brief. Basically, the general idea is to maintain the employment contract. That's rule number one. Speaking of reduction in the working hours, uh, actually, in that case, the employer would have to uh, get the benefit of this partial activity mechanism, that is to say this financial assistance from the, the government I was referring to earlier. And instead of clicking a box where it would have said, uh, total closure, for example, uh, the employer would click partial reduction in working hours. And, of course, the exact number of hours that would still be worked out uh, would, have to be, uh, would have to be indicated. Of course, we're talking of a reduction of hours because working from home is not possible. But basically, uh, with this financial assistance, usually, as a general rule, about 70% of the hours that would not be worked would be paid through uh, the administration and the employer would pay that in advance and then get will get reimbursed by the administration. Thanks very much, Philippe. Chris, this is a question that's come up quite a bit um, and I'll just direct it to you if I could. Which measures are in place in your country and Austria to manage workers who cannot perform the task remote? Um, basically none um, because the government asks the employees to work from home if possible. Um, the government asks the employers to let the employees work from home if possible. But if that's not possible for whatever reason, because, for example, you have to, to work in a laboratory or whatever, um, then there's no real measurement that can be taken. I think in such cases it's, um, it's either a, a job that needs to be carried out so that you are allowed to leave the house and go to work. Um, or um, the other option would be that, the, that such company will have to be closed and that the employees will nevertheless have to be paid. Of course, it could be, for example, agreed to um, use um, the vacation entitlement or to uh, use time off um, or yeah, to have other arrangements like this. Um, but at the end, if, if, uh, if it's a company that, that actually cannot do home office at all, um, yeah, probably this will lead to termination of employment relationships or to short-time work. Thanks very much, Chris. Can I just throw it open and perhaps starting with uh, relation to the immigration question I posed before, and are there immigration restrictions being imposed uh, on people looking to come into Spain? Well, now it is the government of Spain has announced that it, all the, the immigration process that uh, were in course has been, has been all already suspended. So uh, the government, uh, maybe in the following days, will, will announce other methods related to immigration issues. But the thing is, is, not, is now that uh, all the immigration process are suspended. Right. Uh, Richard, I might turn to you in the UK just in terms of immigration restrictions that are in place in the UK. Uh, it's a bit fast moving, but um, certainly uh, uh, the latest I've heard, and it is moving today, is that there will be restrictions. And indeed, not least, another problem is that there's great reductions in air traffic. And there's even talk of our major airports closing within the next few days. 
But one, just to Richard, then, what are the employers' responsibilities for employees that need to travel for work? Yeah, and I think I touched on on a sort of general duties of health and safety. Uh, you know, there are criminal and civil penalties, a duty to provide a safe working environment. There's also implied contractual duties, basically obligations to act reasonably. And I think probably the key is to be flexible. So one of the one of the common uh, questions or concerns being raised by employees who do need to go to work is that they don't want to travel on uh, public transport or in crowded places. So a lot of employers are changing working hours so people can can travel outside those outside those hours. But I mean the overriding point is that if people can work from home, they should. Um, if they can't work from home and they can't get to work you're then into those pay scenarios that I mentioned earlier on, where if they're not sick and they uh, are choosing not to come into work, uh, they're strictly not entitled to pay unless they are self-isolating because they think they're exposed to some sort of risk. But certainly minimising travel, encouraging homework uh, is the key. Thanks, Richard. Uh, obviously, data privacy is, is an issue in relation to the disclosure of information for people who are potentially infected. So, Lourdes, can I ask you, um, to what extent in Spain can you identify the name of the infected or potentially infected person at the workplace? No. In Spain, the company is not allowed to inform about the name of the infected employee. The company is only allowed to inform the, the, the employees that uh, it, uh, well, the, the company has detected a, 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 an employee who is infected, and then the company should... Uh, well, uh, implement the necessary preventive measures. But the company will only be allowed to inform about the name if the health authority has obliged the company to do so for preventive purposes. Okay. Um, Chris, a question for you. What is the obligation to continue salary payments for staff who have taken time off to look after children um, who are no longer at school or alternatively sick dependents? Um, yeah, as I said before, um, basically uh, it will always have to be um, verified whether there is anyone else that can take care of this child, for example, uh, an older sibling or the other parent or boyfriend or girlfriend of the parents um, that, that uh, takes care of the child. Um, it's also a question of how old this child is. If, if this child is 14, eight, uh, 14 years or older, um, then probably no such entitlement uh, to stay at home will be given. But um, provided that there is no, um, no um, possibility that someone else can take care of this child, then such employee will be allowed to stay at home and will um, get the full um, salary payment by the employer. Um, there's also a dispute currently um, between uh, doctrine and attorneys and, and stuff like this. So uh, whether or not this um, entitlement ends after one week, um, personally, I think that um, the longer such incapacity to work lasts, the more the employee will have to um, reorganize, for example, finding a babysitter or someone else that can take care of this child. Um, but there's no um, strict uh, limit of like a week or so. Okay, thank you. Stefan, this question for you. What is the best practice for consulting trade unions or works councils in Germany in relation to this issue? Yeah, um, 
there are no no real co-determination rights or something like that that you, that you really have to involve works councils or trade unions um, specifically dealing with uh, the the corona questions however from what we learn as best practice is that it is always helpful to discuss these issues in particular with the works councils because you know they have influence on the staff and they can also explain to the staff for example that uh, short-time working is necessary to implement to prevent uh, mass layoffs or something like that and therefore from what we learned not only in this current crisis but also in the financial crisis in 2008 that uh, yeah concluding collective bargaining agreements or collective agreements with works councils can help a lot uh, Richard, not to similar to the question that I asked Lourdes before, but in the UK, what are you required to do um, in workplaces should an employee be diagnosed with the virus? Or if it's confirmed uh, that the employee was exposed to someone with the virus? Yes, yeah, so um, I mean, there's a couple of issues here. There's, there's sort of practical issues, what do you do? And then there are data protection issues. And the, the, the practical issue is obviously to identify the person who has been infected they need to go into uh, isolation, be out of the office for 14 days. You need to identify who, and this is sort of a duty of care as well about a, health, a safe working environment, identify who's had contact with them because they would need to, to self-isolate under government guidelines for 14 days. And you're, what you'd have to do is close the office or part of the office where that person's had contact. So to give you an example, in the building I'm in, we share it with another company where they had an infected person. Those two floors were emptied for a number of days while a deep clean took place. The employees who came into contact with the infected person are now in quarantine. Uh, fortunately, our firm was unaffected because it's separate floors and we don't have communal areas. It also leads into data protection. To what extent can you disclose the identity of the infected person? And we've had some very good guidance actually from our information commissioner who uh, on the front foot has said, look, we are a pragmatic regulator. We recognize there's a balance to strike between sensitive uh, personal data, medical information, but on the other hand, we've got public interest. And if I was boiling it down, I would say, you can tell who needs to know. So if you're trying to identify who the person may have had contact with, for example, you can share the name. Okay. Um, Philippe, a question uh, to, to Francis, what are the top three items to ensure that you have a preparedness plan in place for COVID-19? <laughs> Good question. Uh, First of all, there is a document that exists under French law, which is called Document Unique in French, which is a document that is required for every company. So that document should evaluate all the risks uh, that uh, employees could face uh, in general in the working area, in the working place. So that document, which should be in place already, should be amended, should be updated to face uh, the virus. So that's, that's uh, number one. The other item I would suggest is that I think maybe uh, some more information should be given to staff representatives in that area, especially, especially employees representative who are more, uh, I would say, in line or uh, keen on uh, safety uh, measures. 
And the final tip uh, I would uh, think about for uh, in this kind of, uh, of crisis is home office. Definitely uh, home office is something that is getting critical now. I do realize, we do all realize that all companies cannot put this in place depending on their business, but we all realize today that the home office is a, is a key tool. Very good. Thank you, Philippe. Uh, Lawrence, uh, in relation to the lawyers, one question came in that is, if we don't take the right action now, can an employer be sued by their employees in the future? Yes. For example, if they're exposed to the virus. Yeah, it's a good question as well. Well, it will depend on the specific action action that the company is not taking. But in general terms, the employees are able to file a judicial claim against the company, asking for a company, for example, to be ordered or to be condemned to apply a specific measure. And in that claim, the employee could also ask, ask for a damages compensation. But the practical effect of that claim is almost null since the claim will be solved once the coronavirus situation has finished because now all the judicial activity is suspended and well the damages are highly difficult to be proven to proven by the employee unless he has been infected for example as a consequence of being obliged to attend the company's premises for example Thank you, Lord. Alberto, because you've uh, probably experienced this more than most of us to date, the uh, question is what are creative ways employers uh, are looking at to contain the impact in the workplace? The example given uh, is uh, allowing people to take their holidays in advance. Are there any other creative tips that you can give the rest of us in Europe? Uh, hi. Uh, we should be very creative. Uh, <clears throat> um, and above all, uh, starting from today, because of the decree that I mentioned before, which uh, prevent employers from uh, dismissing people for employer, employees for economic reasons. So no collected dismissal procedure, no individual dismissal can be served for a two-month period. So the solution that employers have uh, may be the, um, to put the employees on uh, vacation, on holidays, they accrue then a new holidays, on, or also they can be in, uh, let's say, debit for future holidays to be accrued. They can use for the permits, a new permits. They can check if their employees could be entitled to the special permits provided by the new decree. For example, if they have children below 12 or if they assist disabled people, for sure, the main reaction employers will have is the recourse to the to the social uh, shock absorber, which are the tools allowing the employers to suspend the employees from the working activity and having partly of their salary paid by the state. But uh, we will need uh, some few days uh, in order to have the, let's say, operative decrees uh, in place uh, and at that point I think that almost the 20% of the employers will make recourse to these special uh, tools. 
Thanks very much, Alberto. Alberto, just a question for you. Uh, in Spain, what are the implications of a suspension of an employee as opposed to an unpaid leave? Yes, well, the suspension of the employment contracts, uh, it is true that they, well, it allows the companies to stop the salary payments, but it, it allows the employee to, to receive the unemployment benefit. Uh, instead, uh, in the unpaid leave situation, the employee will not, uh, will not receive salary and will not be entitled to receive the unemployment benefit either. Okay. Uh, Stefan, a question for Germany. Should leave, be it paid or unpaid, be granted to the most vulnerable groups, for example, pregnant workers, older workers, and those with underlying conditions? Um, well, currently, and I must emphasize currently, no, there is no uh, obligation or not even a recommendation to keep specific groups of employees out of the offices or the sites. Of course, that can change, but um, currently our government argues you as an employer, you have to ensure that it is safe for your employees to work, uh, to go to work. and as long as you um, yeah, fulfill the, the normal obligations you have to do, then there is no specific obligation to keep some persons away. Um, of course, that can change because, you know, I just heard that we now, in, at least here in Bavaria, we started with uh, orders by the government that we are not allowed to leave our offices uh, or our apartments, so that might change in the next days, but currently there are no... Uh, obligations, but if you um, talk to one of your employees or if you have an older employee and he says, well, I have certain medical conditions, I would uh, like to stay at home, then what we advise our clients is to preliminary try to cover that with uh, positive crime time credits that can be consumed or holiday entitlements, and after that, then you have to find some conclusion with that employee, and that's yeah, the decision of the employer if he wants to pay for that or not, but um, yeah, it depends on the individual situation. Richard, this is the sixty-four million pound question. What's the best way of keeping on top of all the new information that's being circulated, given the volume and, and the changeability of that information? Yeah, I mean, certainly in the UK, there's um, a, a number of sources of information. So there's a, as you would expect, a government. Uh, a specific website on the virus. There's um, a government support for business page, which, which is practical help for businesses. Uh, from a health perspective, there's a NHS, that's our health provider. There's an NHS coronavirus page. There's also for employers um, a, an organization called ACAS, which gives guidance. They have a page. And then if it's a data protection issue, there is a virus page uh, of, from the information commissioner. So there are and they're, they're quite well written. There are uh, official websites. They're the ones to go to uh, covering those areas. Okay, Philippe, question for you. I'm sorry, we're just getting towards the end here. With doctor surgeries and health services overwhelmed, what is the best practice in France on return to work clearances from imposed or voluntary isolation? Well, I guess the question, of course, <clears throat> relates to a scenario where the... Um, the employee would have been affected and then cured and then would go back to work while the whole uh, 
crisis is not really over. In that case, uh, from, from what scientists uh, seem to be saying, in that case, the, uh, the employee could still be, uh, while the employee is treated, is cured, the employee is still contagious. So when the employee comes back to work, all the protections uh, should be maintained, of course, vis-a-vis -vis that employee, specifically for his or her colleagues. Uh, having said that, if the employee who's coming back after this uh, incident, uh, and if the employee has been away for 30 days, the employee who's coming back to work should be uh, checked by what we call médecin du travail, which is the industrial doctor, but only if the employee has been away for 30 days. If the employee has not been away for 30 days and is coming back to work, I would still uh, recommend that the employer forces that visit, that medical check, which is possible, assuming that industrial doctors will not be too busy to make sure that the employee can really come back to work and is fit uh, to come back to work. Uh, Chris, in, in Austria, what are the legal implications resulting from questioning employees about signs or symptoms of COVID-19? and potentially sending employees home. So we've got a data protection question. Um, yeah, usually in all such cases, of course, um, the employee would not be um, obliged to inform the, employ uh, the employer about um, things that are part of his private life. But obviously, since uh, I have also already mentioned today, the employer is not only obliged to protect this employee, but also all colleagues. The situation is uh, completely different at the moment, and if uh, an employee is, is uh, tested positive or at least um, uh, has um, significant uh, thought or severe um, implications that he might um, be infected, then I think he will have to um, inform the employee, uh, the employer, and um, this uh, is definitely um, yeah, an option to ask the employee, uh, to, the employee to. Um, let the employer know anytime, whenever <clears throat> he feels sick. Um, if the question also refers to uh, how to react, um, then I think that the first step um, of the employer would be to send this employee home. Um, if, if, if it's actually a positive test, um, the question is how to um, uh, inform the other employees. Um, my uh, recommendation would be not to disclose um, or reveal the name of the employee, but to let them know that they were in touch with such a person. And I'm pretty sure that the authorities in such case, um, since they know about the positive test, will uh, nevertheless take care of this and will inform all people that this person was in touch with um, about the potential infection. Thank you very much, Chris. Uh, look, the final question, because we are running out of time, there were, as I said, a number of questions that we just haven't been able to get to. But, uh, Stefan, what industries, if any, can compel essential roles to report to work? And what would those, what would the conditions be that would justify um, that requirement? Well, actually, in Germany, um, what industries are uh, essential is defined by the government. And um, as we are experience, experiencing currently is that uh, what, what the special situation in Germany is that this is not defined by our federal government, but every state can define what is essential uh, in their states. Of course, they, they discuss it internally. 
But Bavaria or Northern Westphalia, every uh, country in Germany can define what is essential, and then uh, you have uh, public orders defining what is essential and what has to be kept open and what, what has to close down. Um, obviously, all uh, services of public interest like water, electricity, and things like that, that's, that's of course, has to be kept open. But uh, as it comes to normal shops or something, then this is defined by, by the local government and the respective state. Thanks, Stefan. And I'd like to thank all the participants for their uh, questions, which have been numerous, but uh, particularly to thank the presenters for uh, giving us their insights from each of the countries, which has been, I must say, extremely interesting. Pete, can I turn it back to you just to close out the program? Thanks, Duncan, and also thanks to our roundtable members for sharing their thoughts and advice to address the critical issues facing businesses across Europe today. If any of our listeners would like to connect with lawyers that were heard from on the program, please search for them on the ELA website at ela.law. On the website, you can sign up to receive invitations for our upcoming webinars, download free white papers, get on-demand content from our library, and access the ELA's exclusive Global Employers Handbook. Also, make sure to find and subscribe to the Employment Matters podcast on your favorite podcast resource. Check out our last program, which was featuring lawyers from the U.S. and Canada on this topic, and stay tuned next week as we broaden the discussion to hear from lawyers in both Latin America and the Africa Middle East regions. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz, and thanks for listening.